Hallelujah. Truly, Jesus has broken every chain. There's so much power in his name. There's none like him. There's none like him. We truly thank God for the praise today. It was wonderful and pleasing to my ears, and I pray that God was also pleased with it as well. Truly, I count it a blessing to be with you once again here at Victory City, Birmingham. There's no other place I'd rather be today than right here with you guys. I tell you, God is so good and he's so wonderful that we just love him. Um, glad to be here. Again, we're gonna continue on with our series of rediscovering the purpose, person, and power of Jesus Christ. Rediscovering the purpose, person, and power of Jesus Christ. You know, when God revealed it to me, he gave four distinct scriptures that he wanted to study from. And upon following his lead, they all happened just to be in the second chapter of each of the four gospels. The second chapter of Mark, the second chapter of Luke, then we went to the second chapter of Matthew, and today we'll be in the second chapter of John. Now Mark second revealed his purpose where Jesus told the parable of new wine and old vats, how he was describing that what he was teaching wouldn't hold up back in those days in the current way the church was worshiping at that time that the temples that they had then needed to be torn down spiritually and rebuilt back again. And, and it will be rebuilt on a rock that's so strong that it's still standing strong over 2,000 years after he came. Luke second, he talked about the person of Jesus, how uh, the, the, that was when he was a, 12 years old and he went and he was uh, talking into the, in the temples and the synagogues with all others and the mother and father was wondering where he was but in that second chapter and we found that, that Jesus had to grow normally as a person just as we did. He had to obey his parents. He had to uh, go to school. He had to get a job. He had to pay taxes and unfortunately he even had to die. Uh, he felt physically and emotionally all the things that we go through, Jesus actually experienced in his life except for the sin. Now, we even saw on, on the cross how he felt the weight of sin so strongly on him, the results of the sin all the way up until his death. The sin of us was laid upon him on the cross. And in Matthew second chapter, we saw the power. We talked about the power given to Jesus, uh, how God guided the wise men to, to Jesus by the star and, and how the, the, they anointed him king of kings. Uh, how despite, uh, how he gave that title to him so he could have the authority to rule here on earth. And despite many believers who then were willing to die for him, Jesus was willing to die for us, amen, so, so that we may have a second chance, that we may have another chance to become believers. 
Uh, on last week, we discussed the label King of Kings, and it has two connotations. It means a monarch or an emperor that has many nations, somebody that's a king, and then he's got somebody else over them. Uh, and maybe title a king or an emperor that they had to answer to. So they talked about king of kings, how it was over many nations, but also there was a reference that, that the Judeans used that was called king of kings for the Messiah. And king of king of kings means a reference to God. So they gave the superlative for God and king of kings was a reference to Messiah. And so we're going to talk about that king of kings. We're still talking about power of Jesus. Amen. We're still talking about his power, but not last week we talked more about his authoritative power, how he was in charge. But this time we're going to talk about how he is uh, supernatural, how he has supernatural powers. Amen. See if I can adjust. Is this better? All right. And see, now we're going to talk about how he had supernatural powers that was given to him by God. Amen. But uh, even though when the 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 people when they gave him King of Kings, they knew that he was going to be able to expect him to rise to his throne because many times when the wise men, when they anointed the people, they expected them to, to grow and be king of kings, to be over men and nations, to grow and be real powerful in that area, be powerful in that region, not just over the Jews, but also the, the wise men were not even Jewish. So they were expecting him to be king of over men and nations. But what they did not expect, they did not expect for him to die. So that took them for a loop. They didn't expect him to come and do it that way, but Jesus had to do it for a, a special purpose, and it had to happen the way he had to do it. So we'll continue to discuss about his power that was given to him by faith, by faith in him and by others having faith in him. And this supernatural power first allowed him to do miracles. Now, faith is important. If you have an ability but never use it, you may not be able to simply because you don't think you can. For instance, we had an organ uh, at the old uh, Hilldale building, and we had to move that organ uh, from up, up some stairs. There were more stairs over here. And I was looking at it, and I tried to move it, and I couldn't bulge it. But then there was a, the uh, organist that we bought it from. He went and picked it up like it wasn't nothing. And then when I saw him do it, then I said, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And then I went and picked it right up. Because then once I saw that he could do it, then I knew that I could do it. Uh, uh, Brandon, Pastor Brandon talked about once about somebody when they passed the four-minute mile that was a runner. That was, he was a scientist. And he was wondering why nobody could ever break the four-minute mile. But he figured he could do it. He wasn't a runner. He was a scientist. But he continued to do it. And he broke the four-minute mile. But right after he did it, many other runners started breaking the four-minute mile because they saw it could be done. Uh, so sometimes it's not just having the ability to do something. Sometimes you've got to also have faith that you're able to do it. Amen. And so even Jesus, when he first started doing his miracles, it was in his hometown. But they didn't 
accept him. He was doing miracles, he was teaching, he was witnessing to them, and, but they had a hard time accepting it because they, were, they saw him as that uh, carpenter. They saw him as that little kid that grew up and they knew all the time. They said, well, this is this boy, isn't that Joseph's son? That's, you know, that's, that's sister, you know, that, that brother, this is the one that came and did the carpenter work at our house. Uh, that's, is he talking like that? And so they didn't accept it because they didn't accept it. Jesus had to go and go somewhere else to learn uh, to work his miracles. It says, and when he was coming to the scripture in Matthew 13, we're going to quickly get to John, just want to build it up. But in Matthew 13, verse 54 says, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue in so much that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this mother called, is not his mother called Mary and his brother and James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they are not all with us? Whence then hath this man had all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto him, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now he still had the power. He still had, he still was doing it. But he couldn't do all that he was able to do in that town because of their unbelief. So even Jesus, even though he did those miracles, even though he taught there, it had little effect on the people because they couldn't see him past the man that they knew him to be. So now it comes, we come to our word where we're going to be in John chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. That's John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serve the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for just the, the many things that you have done in our lives up until now. God, we ask that you just minimize me and you maximize in my body and my mind and my spirit that I speak your words and be all you and a little of me. God, I pray that you have your way today 
Have your way in this church. Have your way in your people. Have your way in me, God. Let me fulfill what your purpose is for me on this day. And Lord, let this work fall on good ground and let it accomplish which pleases you. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. Amen. Truly we thank God for, for the word. Now here, I always do, sorry about that, I always do view the Gospels in a certain, you know, a certain way uh, because of the authors, you know, Matthew, uh, the, the accountant, he gives a meticulous record of everything that goes on. Mark, he looked at most of the miracles and the acts of Jesus, and that's what he recorded. Luke, the doctor, he would uh, look at things through the human way, how it happened, and it must be God because man can't do this. There was limitations, and that's how Luke looked at it. But John, he always looked an account of Jesus as the Son of God, whereas within the other three Gospels, you get overlapping of the records because they all recorded the miracles. John didn't re uh, record everything. He recorded specific things that showed Jesus as deity, that shows Jesus as the Son of God. Amen. It, it, he does it even at the first verse of John. His first sentence is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And it goes on in verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, John gave a great account. The records of, of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, he recorded the disciples being called uh, by him in the first chapter after he did that. He started, you know, he, he wrote down what Jesus did, how he called the disciples, and everything that was mighty about Jesus. All of this about Jesus as, as the Son of God, as a deity, as, as, you know, God in the flesh. He did all of that, and then his first miracle always bothered me. How would he be the first miracle was turning water into wine? That always got me. But, but if you look at the last statement that he was made, that he recorded, he, John said in the, the, in the 20th chapter, John, uh, John recorded that Jesus did these and many more miracles, so many miracles that the world could not hold them all. He didn't record everything that Jesus did. He recorded specific things to report of what God was, how Jesus was to him. So this was specific 
This was intentional. He wanted this to be in, and he chose this as the first miracle of Jesus. Now, turning water into wine. Now, John recorded this miracle to metaphorically describe the state of the church at that time. It wasn't just about wine. It wasn't just about the wedding. It was also about the state of the church. The church at that time was barren. The church of that time was lifeless. They didn't have much going on. They didn't do things. They weren't having much direction. They didn't have much guidance. And we, we, we look at the churches now, we think that it's in a bad state now, but it was like that then. It's nothing new. We see how some preachers use the church and the church folks like their hustle. You know, they go and they try to make a business out of everything, trying to make money, try to sell things, trying to get another avenue to make revenue. They do all these things to try to make money, to try to get something from the people. But that's not nothing new. It happened even back then. It happened even back then. But before I go on, I want to talk a little bit about the wedding itself. See, Weddings were an important thing back then. It was a, a thing, uh, uh, an event between a man and a woman making a covenant together. So that also was very important for him to use that because it was special. And not only that, they didn't have many uh, gatherings back then. So they didn't have a lot of parties like we have all kinds of holidays from other cultures that we're not a part of. And we celebrate so many different holidays and so many things we celebrate all the time. But back then, they didn't have that much to celebrate. So when they had a wedding, it was a big event. So when, even though it didn't seem like, to us, like a big deal for a wedding and running out of wine, to them it was. Because you didn't have that much, so you want to make sure you were prepared. And when they ran out, it made them look like they were unprepared. And, and another thing, wine wasn't no easy thing to do. You know, you can't just make wine just like that. It wasn't like, you know, we just pour some cool, you know, the little powder package and make Kool-Aid. It wasn't nothing like that. Wine was a thing that it took time, it took grapes, it took time to ferment and all of that. So it was a miracle. It was a major miracle to do that. Even now you can't, even though you can make Kool-Aid in a second, you can't make wine in a second. So it took time, so it was a major miracle. So we don't want to belittle the fact of what happened. But it was not all about the, that. It wasn't all about just them drinking wine. It also was a message to us today. The church was barren. The church was lifeless. The church wasn't going anywhere. And, 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 and it meant something to John. And it shows he meant something when you go on to the next thing. And right after he talk about their wedding, look what happens next in, in verse 12, John 2 and 12. It says, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. And they stayed there for a few days. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip cords, he drove them out all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. 
his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it was taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. See, at that time, Passover, it's a major event in Judaism. So he went to Jerusalem to celebrate it. It's similar to the church I come from, uh, the Church of God in Christ. In November, they had something called the Holy Convocation, and it's in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. And every year, they know it's going to be there, November, the second week of November, every year. Memphis basically belongs to the church. All the hotels, everywhere you go, it's church folk. And they knew it. Uh, and on that day of the event, on the, the day of the Holy Convocation, it would be 60,000 people in one room. But then they have four different places that have the overflow. So it's a, but in one room, there's at least 60,000 people in that room all worshiping and celebrating God. Well, I say all because all of them weren't. You know, when you get that many people, you got that many people, some coming from other intentions, some looking to do bad, some looking to meet somebody, some coming just to see what somebody got on. But it's always, or some just coming to see the event. But it's always a lot of people gathering together. And I say that because that's how it was back then. It was a big thing, and they all came together. And some people came, and they took advantage of those people that were coming together, and that's what they did there. They, uh, they came in and they started selling things and, and doing things in the church that wasn't allowed. And Jesus came and he saw that, and y'all know he just got upset. Just picture this, after he just got through doing all of that, he go, the first church he go in, after his ministry start, he go in and see them doing all those things. Mm. See, Jesus knew that the, all those people there their intentions were not holy, just like here. Every time they do, every church you go to, every, their intentions are not holy all the time. We, we, we thank God that we got a pastor who has a, the right intentions, is not looking like that, is not desiring. And you can always tell what somebody's about because they will tell on themselves if you listen. But Jesus saw that right away and he got upset and he did something about it. But now, when I was given this message, I was just obedient and gave what Jesus gave me, what the Lord gave me. But after I finished my study for the sermon for last week, it changed a little bit because I was all prepared just simply to talk about the power of Jesus. And, and, and I did touch on it, but he's saying something else with all those second chapters. See, there's a second chapter because the first one has ended. See, what you did in the first chapter has ended. There's been a change. Uh, you had plans and then there needed to be altered. Second chapter. Yes, we were planning, we were all content in being in the Hilldale building. We were planning on being there for a while, but, but, but something happened. Second chapter. 
My family, we were content. I told you the church we were in, we were content. Matter of fact, even my my children, are you sure about going somewhere else? Why are you taking us here? My wife, why, why, why are you doing this? So I might not go, you know, but, but because, you know, you're content. Second chapter is not always comfortable, but sometimes there comes a change. Second chapter. Now, change is not always good, but sometimes it's necessary. Moses had laid out a plan for God's people, and it would have worked. Though the problem was, it only worked when they had good leaders. They had good leaders, the people followed. But the problem was they had such a problem finding good leaders. So God had to come up with a plan. What could he do? Because all the leaders that he sent, they'll do right for a while and then the children will fall off. So what was he to do? But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But even Jesus had a second chapter. That first one ended in death. See, see, Jesus had to do what he had to do. But the first part is he had to die. It says in John 12, 23, it says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. See, Jesus was letting his disciples know that he would soon have to leave. He would soon have to move on to his next chapter. And it would be for our benefit for him to die. But he first must die. He went on to say that if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. So Jesus had to go through what he had to go through in order for us to be saved. See, we know the story that what he went through after he was, before he was lifted up, they beat him. They whipped him. They put a crown of thorns on him and then shoved it down to make sure blood was gone. They pressed it down and pierced his skin. Nails in each one of his hands. Nails through his feet. He suffered, bled, and chose to die rather than to deliver himself from the cross. You know, he did all those miracles. He could have easily delivered himself, but he stayed there just for us. He stayed there just for you. But unlike us, he didn't stay dead. They buried him, but he didn't stay there. We all know the story. Stayed there Friday night. Stayed there Saturday night. But Sunday morning, he rose. He rose early Sunday morning. And, and we know when he rose, that Mary, Mary, Mary not, not the singles, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary saw him. And when they saw him, Jesus told them to go find my friends, go find my brothers, and tell them to meet me in Galilee. See, all this was a plan 
that we didn't know. We just knew about, they knew about that first chapter, but even though he told them he was going to rise again on the third day, they didn't quite understand. So even some of, even though when he told them there, some of them still didn't believe. In Matthew 28, it says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake of them, unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We are so blessed, people. We are so blessed to have a second chance. We are so blessed to have a Savior who died so that we may live. God sent someone who lived just for us, who lived like us, who grew like us, who had to be obedient just like us, who had to pay taxes just like us, that had to die just like us. We... He saw and experienced everything that we do, everything that we have. You know the look when you feel hurt, when you feel depressed because somebody you, you counted on wasn't there for you. When you, you knew that they should have been there to, to talk to you or to comfort you, or who could have been your parents or your friends or, or your, your spouse, you expected them to be there, and they weren't. Jesus felt that. Jesus, the, he felt the, the, the being betrayed when you felt like you should have gotten this and you got that and you were betrayed by somebody. So you know how that makes you feel? Jesus felt that. He felt pain like we can't imagine. That night that he went through the, to, to, they, to get to the cross, how they beat him, whooped him all night long, stabbed and did all those things. It hurt people. Jesus felt that. So when we go through things, we know. But the great thing about that song, he's a chain breaker. You know, he went through that so that we wouldn't be bound, you know, chained to sin, chained to alcohol, chained to drugs, chained to sex, chained to whatever. You can be delivered from all those things. All you got to do is accept him because he is a chain breaker. That's truly power in the name of Jesus. We talked about discovering who Jesus is, how he lived. We, we talked about who he is. And then one thing about all that he is, all that he was, he thinks enough to think about us. He thinks enough to think about you. And the only thing he wants is for you to accept him. Is for you to accept it. Now, now, when he gave that great commission, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. When we do get our salvation, those of us who are saved, those of us who have been freed, those of us who were chained and have been broken and have been freed from that sin, our responsibility is to go and help somebody else. Tell somebody else what you were doing and why you are free.
tell them how you wouldn't have been in that same situation, but God, I would have been in that same predicament, but God. And then when I accepted him and, and became obedient to his ways, things got better. My life got better. Those addictions didn't hold me. Those things that I used to do, I don't do no more. Those things I used to drink, I don't want that no more. Because I found a Savior who cares about me. I found a Savior that loves me for me. You know, he knows everything about me. He knows the worst things about me. And he still loves me. I'm grateful for that. But one thing about it, it's not just my relationship. He has that same feeling for each of you. All you got to do is accept him. Let us pray. God, we thank you right now for your word. We thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your guidance. God, we thank you just for another chance. We thank you for another chapter in our life that we can go on. God, if there be somebody that makes the decision right now that they are going to start walking in another way, God, touch them right now. Let them say yes to your will. Let them say yes to your way. And God, prepare us for the labor that is before us, God. God, we realize there's a responsibility that comes with our salvation. God, so teach us and let us grow into who we should be so that we be able to spread your word to just to the ones you have sent to us. We ain't got to go tell the world. We just tell the ones we know. And then if we tell them, then they tell somebody else, the world still will be affected. God, we thank you right now. God, we ask you to just continue to shower us down, to keep us, and let us just get to know you more. And as we continue to get to know you, we grow more in you. We grow more in love. We grow more in salvation. We grow more in faith. And then as we do that, God, you just continue to bless all those and let the anointing overflow that that same love, that same faith, that same salvation that we have, we share it with others. In Jesus' name we do pray. In all hearts, say amen. Oh,